Live from the old National Bank State Street studio, across from the historic Chicago Theater, you are listening to Black and Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Talking to you, talking some football here on ESPN 1000. You know, Michigan wins the national title last night. Jim Harbaugh has been about all of the rumors have been about him in the national media, whether or not he's going to jump from college football to the NFL. I think the Bears need to make a call. They need to find out whether or not he's interested in taking over for this great franchise and in becoming the next head coach of the Bears. You know, he played for Dicka. He was here during the, the, the good days. You know, not the great days of of Bears football. Obviously, he wasn't here for 85, but he was there towards the tail end. He played for this team in the 90s, and he had success in the NFL as a player, a Bears player as well, and then going on to coach, and he's become a great head coach in college football, and he had success at the national football level before. And I think of all the different options, you know, if the Bears decide to move off of Matt Eberflus, He's got to be number one as far as a guy who who I think is the perfect fit, but also can still get it done. Like, I don't know if I would view Bill Belichick the same way. Like, Belichick has the better credentials, the better resume. But at this point in Belichick's career, do you really think if, if the Bears found a way to bring him in that he would be as invigorated to, like, Get this franchise over the top and, and so, win a Super Bowl. You like, don't like press conferences now. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like if for some, like that doesn't seem like a fit to me. No. Now Mike Vrabel mm. should be a conversation as well. I don't know. I don't know if Vrabel is necessarily a slam dunk, but the fact that he was fired today from Tennessee that seems like a miss. It seems like they gave up on a coach who's a pretty good football coach. I I yes I agree with you that Mike Vrabel is a very good football coach. I think he was perfect for the Tennessee Titans. I do not want Mike Vrabel as the head coach of the Bears. I think that there are better options out there. To me, Mike Vrabel is Matt Eberflus with a with a better uh, press conference. Like all he's he hasn't he hasn't won it. He all he wins with is like he has like Tannehill. He got he got to an AFC Championship game, right? Okay, with a defense with, with and no Derek, quarterback. With, exactly, that's my point. We want a quarterback. No, I, like, I know, I know that, but he's won. So, like, so I don't. I wouldn't draft, discredit him. So, for if that. you draft Caleb Williams, you're bringing in uh, Mike Vrabel. No, I don't. I don't think that's the best pairing. Um, I don't know. Like, what's the best pairing outside of Jim Harbaugh? Give me a better pairing for Caleb Williams because we both have established on the show we don't want a first time head coach. And so, like, I think the standard answer from Bears fans would be Ben Johnson. Yeah. The, the offensive coordinator from the Lions. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. That, to me, would feel like starting over. Mm-hmm. If you bring in a guy that's had the experience at this level before, I wouldn't feel like the Bears are starting over. It's not what I want, but the argument can be made that it, it does work and has worked. I mean, there are no name. Mike McDaniel's a perfect example of a guy who's a coordinator, yeah. came in, and it worked, right? Like, you have to get the quarterback right. You also have to have great skill positions like Tyreek Hill is that team right so you need to make sure that you pair your quarterback 
who's very good in Tua with great skill position players with a great offensive mind. And Ben Johnson might be the next great offensive mind. He might be the next Sean McVay. He might be the next Kyle Shanahan. He might be the next Mike McDaniel. But for the Bears right now, I would prefer Jim Harbaugh. Like if they come to, if if the Bears end up firing Matt Eberflus and they say, hey, guess what? We're hiring Ben Johnson and we're drafting a quarterback number one. It's not like I'm going to stop being a Bears fan. It's just not the route that I would go right now. I would do everything I could to try to get Jim Harbaugh here and pair him with a new quarterback. But if it doesn't work, it seems like if they move on from Eberflus that they're going to go with a first-time head coach just because the options aren't going to be available. I feel like the Steelers aren't going to move on from Mike Tomlin. No, I feel they like made Mike, the playoffs. I think Mike Vrabel is going to end up in New England, most likely. Seems like it. And if Bill Belichick leaves, the rumors are Washington or Atlanta. So those options are gone. Atlanta makes no Atlanta, sense. Atlanta's to me. weird. Like that doesn't make any <laughs> Atlanta's sense. Atlanta's just weird. Like like Washington, I I could get that. Yeah. Especially with if you've consumed any Bill Belichick like documentaries or any time that he's talked outside of press conferences about the National Football League, he has a deep appreciation and love for the history of the league. Yeah. So like the Washington franchise, I could see him finding value in coaching them yeah i mean perhaps you can make the same argument for the chicago bears charter franchise Mm -hmm. i just don't know if i would be as uh excited if it was belichick as i would be for harbaugh i feel like he says he'll give up personnel. it seems like a crazy thing to think he's the best he said he'll give up personnel control but it's like will you will you i mean it's what he said to the media okay he says a lot of things to the media and he also says nothing to the media yeah that's fair uh, we do owe you a song of the night. We'll get to that in just a couple moments here on ESPN 1000. But we have a lot of phone calls and a lot of Bears conversation. So let's keep that going with Charlie, Mount Prospect. Charlie, you're on ESPN 1000. How you guys doing? Uh, this is up uh, Mike Vrabel topic. I yeah. think he'd be a great fit, to be honest with you. And I'm not, I'm not a defensive head coach guy. But I, I think that his values are very similar to what we have set up now. Defensive line, run the football. I mean, I'd like to see your guys' opinions. I think he could work with Fields, too, if we keep him, his offensive coordinators. That style of play in the quarterback, that's definitely it. So I don't know if you guys want to tell me what you think. Yeah, good call, Charlie. I, I do think that there is an element of uh, – Vrabel was one of the first coaches that was really utilizing, like, fourth and short opportunities for the offense to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those coaches. Same, same with Ron Rivera, who people have used that against Rivera as a coach, but – he was one of those saying, like, you know, if if you're in a situation where usually, typically in the past, you would punt, but this is a situation where my team can get that half a yard, it is way more beneficial to take that risk and to avoid that. Like, Vrabel is a part of that movement. He mm-hmm. was one of those coaches. Yep. I like that he's, like, a tough dude, too. Like, and he's done it. He's won Super Bowls. Like, he has credentials. Okay. Players play for him. Yep. How many quarterbacks has he developed? Well, yeah, he's not going to be that. He's not going. But like that's Charlie what Charlie was just saying to but us. That's what like people he's, want. He's not going to be a quarterback developing guy. But that's what people want. If you want a guy that's not going to develop a quarterback that's going to run the football and play good defense, why are you firing Eberflus? Well, yeah, stick with Eberflus. What's the difference? Well, and I, I think that's why we're aligned with the idea that if they're not going after the big dog for Ann Arbor, then you might as well just run it all back at this point. Yeah, that's what it seems like. David and Lockport, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys, how you doing? We're good, David. What's up? Yeah, I was going to talk about Harbaugh. And um, unless we bring Red Grange back, Harbaugh is a nice college coach, but, I mean, this is a passing league. You bring him in the NFL, 60% of the times he's going to run the ball, 40% running. And, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, if he was that great of a quarterback, he'd still be in the NFL. 
nice guy, but uh, and you guys are t- and that's one topic. Another thing is everyone Caleb Green, Caleb Green. If you the Bears are thinking of drafting Caleb Green, in my opinion, stay with Justin Fields. In my opinion, same guy, different name. Caleb Williams. Do you guys see uh, Caleb Williams? I'm yeah. sorry, from USA. Do you see the guy, the backup? In the in the bowl game, what he did Miller when Moss. you have the best oh, yeah, talent, touchdowns. yeah. I mean, it's like Rex Gross when years ago in Florida. You got receivers that are five star recruits going against the defensive backs that are you know selling insurance. You know, once they graduate, college is the the talent disparity is so huge with the top well, teams in college. I'll say I this, think so, Caleb David. Williams is not going to be the next. In my opinion, the next Patrick Mahomes. Stay with Justin Fields if that's what you're thinking. But Jim Harbaugh, I watched that, you know, great, great mind, but he's stuck in the 50s with his coaching style. Well, I, I would say this, and thanks for the call, David. If you're going to say that he can't coach in the NFL because it's a passing league, what do you think college football is? Yeah. Well, really, think about it. In the last 15 years, mm-hmm. All the NFL has done is steal concepts of uh, spreading out the formations with wide receivers and running the football. They've just ste- they're stealing from college football. All college football is is passing. That's all it is. Yep. And what the story of Michigan that I think is pretty cool is that they decided we're going to win in the trenches and we're going to be tougher than everyone else. And that's what they did. Yep. They win, win a national championship last night. You have to give him credit for that. I, I wouldn't say that that would be why he can't coach at the next level. All college football is is passing the football. In his, in his final two years at Stanford, Andrew Luck passed for over 3,000 yards, had 32 touchdowns in 2010, 37 touchdowns in 2011, and a total of 18 interceptions in those two years, 8 in 2010 and 10 in 2011. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And the reason Kyle Kaepernick was no good after Harbaugh, I think, was because it was after Harbaugh. Yeah. I mean, some other stuff off the, you know. Of course. Other stuff took place, too. Uh, But, like, he was the player that he was in that system that Jim implemented and that he was coaching up. I think that's why he's had success. Kevin in Oak Forest, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Kev? All right. Wish list. Number one is Harbaugh. He knows how to win. I don't care, you know, running league, passing league. The guy knows how to win. Yeah. Chicago, the Bears seem allergic to winning. <laughs> he knows what to do. So he's my number one. Number two would be Vrabel okay. because he is that tough, hard-nosed guy. And also his OC I graduated high school with, so that would be pretty cool. Nice. Number three, if you're keeping Eberflus, an OC under the radar that has worked with Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I, uh, and then, yeah. Isn't Cliff Kingsbury think, the uh, USC in waiting, USC coach in waiting when Lincoln Riley makes a uh, jump to the NFL in a year or two? Yeah. He's an analyst. He was an offensive analyst for USC, so yeah. he's not got the title. Black, yeah. you should know this. You're a mm-hmm. USC fan. So I don't think anyone's really knocking at his door for – an OC job, so I think he could come a little cheaper because well, I think he got Arizona money still. Yeah, coming in. I would say this though: the the knock on Cliff Kingsbury is he's accomplished nothing. 
he is the poster boy for the the he has the looks and he has the cool name and he keeps getting high profile jobs. <laughs> yeah. Like but like he's he, been he's, in OC before. Yeah, but he he's look like last, he's, he's like Lane Kiffin without any credentials though. Like Lane but at look least at our last won two offensive a coordinators. Little. Look at the last two guys who've called plays. Nagy didn't know what he was doing, got his play play call uh ability taken away by Andy Reid and Getze, who has been only a play caller once in college. And then he was an assistant quarterbacks coach to Aaron Rodgers, who was a top five, top ten quarterback of all time. Right. So that sort of eliminates what Getze knows and can do because you're working with one of the best. Kingsbury's been there. He can call it. He doesn't have to worry about the whole team. He's just got to worry about, Justin, here we go. This is what we're going to do. DJ Moore on one side, Harrison on the other, Kmed in the middle, Let's get a slot. Mooney, you're gone. Let's get a new slot, and let's go dance. Yeah, I mean, if there's guys like that out there, it's worthy for Eberflus to talk to if they're moving off of Luke Getze. And thanks for the phone call, Kevin. I just don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is quite, you know, like uh, Eberflus strikes me as meat and potatoes. I don't know if uh, Cliff Kingsbury in his mansion in Malibu is quite that. I, I think he's more of like kale chips. Spring and, salad. Yeah, spring salad. Like, I don't know if that really jives with, uh, it really mixes with Eberflus, right? Like, like I don't know if those two I don't know if it jives the, with Harbaugh either. Well, yeah, yeah, right. But I think the pitch from uh, Kevin, our last caller, yeah. was that for Eberflus to bring him in as an offensive coordinator. I'm really looking at, because didn't Eberflus coach under Frank Reich? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, that's in, where I'm... In Indy. That's yeah. where I'm kind of looking. Yeah, right? like there's if, a connection. Like, if Eberflus right. stays... I wonder if he gives Frank Reich a call and says, "Hey, come be our offensive coordinator. Let's figure this out." See, you're there. You go. You're 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 thinking there. That that's a thinking <laughs> man's idea. There's a connection because, like, where else has Eberflus been? Eberflus was with the Cowboys uh, for almost seven years. Yeah, as a linebackers coach and a uh, passing game coordinator on the defensive side. So, like. Are there any connections still to Dallas from his time there? I mean, I don't think so because it's a different coaching staff. And you want but, Mike McCarthy when he gets but, fired? No, but the 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 indie connection I think yeah. is still relevant. Absolutely, I think that Frank Reich would be a good offensive coordinator here, and I could see that move being made. If they if you if you tell me that Eberflus is staying because Harbaugh didn't want the job, like I need to know that you at least made the effort to get Harbaugh. Like I want the report that he turned down multiple offers from the Bears and from the Raiders and from the Commanders, and that's why he's going to the Chargers, right? Like, I need to know that the Bears were at least involved in that. But if you bring Eberflus back, I want Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator. Ryan in Humble Park, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how's it going, guys? A uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for I calling, man. Want... Yeah, I just wanted to talk. It's kind of like the tale of the two Justins, right? So... The last two games of the season for me are Justin Fields in a nutshell. When Justin Fields has time to throw, which he did against Atlanta, sometimes he moved out the pocket or whatever, but he, you know, he had pretty good time. He made plays. Now against Green Bay, he had no time. No time. His receivers rarely get any separation. You know, so I think what I got out of the Green Bay game is we need to trade down and we need to go get the stud tackle, then with the number nine pick, get a receiver, and build this team. Because we build the team. If Justin's not the guy in the next year or two, we can always try to go find another receiver. We're going to have a lot of draft capital. Might be able to move up and get a, you know, another quarterback. But as of right now, 
I just don't think this guy's gotten a fair chance ever, like like in, in the city of Chicago. He's never had a line. He's never had any receivers. This year he had one receiver, and he, he if he was if he didn't get her those four games, he probably would have broke the Bears' single season receiving record. Ren, let me ask you this: How many starts should Fields get before he gets a fair shot? He started thirty-eight games in a Bears uniform. Yeah, but I don't consider thir- the, those starts thirty-eight starts because half of the year when he was with Nagy, that was pretty much trash. And then last year, he didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. And after the New England game, he came on. He was the hottest player on, on, on the field. The Bears averaged about five or six games where they were averaging 30 points, and they couldn't get a win because they had no defense. You can't put that all on Justin Fields. You know what I mean? And then this year, they come out, instead of building on what he did well, and when he was dynamic as a player, they try to make him something he's not when you don't have the tools to make him a pocket passer because he never has a pocket to throw out of. All right, we got you down, Ren. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys, man. Have a good night. You too. Thanks for the phone call. I I just find it hard to believe that after 38 games that there's like some huge leap that Fields is going to take. I hoped for it. I wished for it. I, I would love to see it. He's a great individual. Seems like a hell of a leader. Everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. He's just not a, a very good player. I mean, the, the, against the, the Packers, 11, 11 for 16, leap. 144 yards, 48 yards. Yeah. He was sacked five times. And I know the offensive line had a really bad game, but he doesn't. He, he was stuck in quicksand. He couldn't do anything against the Packers. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. He almost can only play well against really bad teams mm-hmm. who don't have pass rushes. How many teams got fired that they that Justin Fields beat? How many coaches staff, coaching staffs have been fired? The Panthers, the Commanders, the Raiders. Well, he didn't play against the Raiders, right? Wasn't that a Bajan game? It was Bajan, yeah. Sorry. So, Commanders? Falcons. Those three. Yeah. Because the fourth is the defense beat them, and you'd say that, okay, Matt Eberflus beat four teams that have fired their coaches. But I think, look, you're going to see, you might see incremental progress. But year three is supposed to we, be the jump. We've seen progress. Yeah. He has improved. No, but I, my point is that year three is supposed to be yeah. the jump, and it wasn't. Yeah, that's and, what you expected. And like that's where it's like 40 touchdowns. He has also 14 touchdowns rushing. But he's thrown 30 interceptions. He's fumbled 38 times in 38 starts. Mm-hmm. He's fumbled per start. Mm-hmm. Let Can't that sink in. Well, and do those count the ones that he recovered? Or those are just lost fumbles? Those are just fumbles. Because how many times have he, has he fumbled and recovered and it doesn't actually count as a fumble because they recovered it? You know I what know. I mean? Ask pro f- football reference. Yeah, I'm going to get on that. Uh, but, like, okay, let's go to some other stats. He's been sacked 135 times. Uh, how about this? Is he a comeback kid? He has two fourth-quarter comeback drives. Mm-hmm. Two out of 38 games played. He has three game-winning drives. Three. I mean, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. I'm a big Justin Fields fan, but we have to face reality here. He, he's not taking the step forward that we hoped he would take. Look at what C.J. Stroud did in his first year. Look at jo- what Jordan Love did in his first year as a starter. And, Look and, at that, the and that, that that's j- why you have to find, if there's a quarterback who can make yeah. quick decisions, you have to go with him. And that goes back to my Frank Reich point. Guess who wanted uh, C.J. Stroud on the Panthers but was undermined by his owner and now is on the street because of it? Frank Reich. What about Frank and Wheeling? You're Ooh. on ESPN 1000. Hello, Frank. Are you Frank Reich? Hi there. Yeah, no, no, unfortunately, and I'm good. Uh, anyhow, I just was originally going to talk about Jim Harbaugh being a good coach, but I do want to address a lot of these comments 
first of all, Justin Fields needs one year of actual evaluation of good offense coaching. The problem, you you just mentioned it yourself, Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud. The difference is they actually have confident offensive coaching. The fact is I'd like to see Justin um, Fields actually get one year of confident coaching. Even people who talk about Caleb Williams, guess what? They're already saying they need to change the offense and coaching because they all know that Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey suck. The second comment I want to make is there are no really good only offensive coordinators out there that um, – Eberflus uh, uh, could possibly have. All the good offensive coordinators and all the good head coaches are being offered NFL quality jobs. You mentioned it yourself, Ben Johnson, uh, Jim Harbaugh, etc. The only so the quality of the offensive coaches that are just would take an offensive only coach. I'm not excited for because we. I mean, like I said, maybe I'm not the best at evaluating, but clearly NF, many NFL teams have already evaluated. What are the top offensive-minded coaches? And they're offering them the head coach position. So that was my second point. The third thing is whenever people talk about Caleb versus Justin, that just it doesn't make any sense. You should be talking about Caleb, what you're using with the number one pick, versus Justin and the number one pick. You never lose the number one pick just because mm-hmm. you don't draft Caleb. So a fair scenario would be talking about, let's say, you use the number one pick and draft Caleb plus trade Justin Field, let's say for number two. And we can quibble about exactly what the trade is later, but I just want to get this scenario out there. The second scenario would be you would keep Justin Field and you would trade the number one pick for Marvin Harrison and additional draft capital, at the very minimum, a number two. Again, I'm just, like I said, it's just to make the conversation easier. So what you would get is you would either have Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams or you'd have Justin Fields and Marvin Harrison. And the, when they talk about the potential of Caleb Williams, they should be talking about the potential and the multiplying effect Marvin Harrison would have on Justin Fields. I mean, I gave you, um, I gave everyone the same math equation. No one seems, I don't know why people don't get it. Maybe you might be able to help me explain it better. When I yeah. keep telling them that it's not Caleb, but what they should do, but I right. mean, versus Justin. I'm with you, Frank. I I agree with that assessment. Thanks for the phone call. I'd say he's totally right. It's not one or the other, and then you lose it. You know, like, if you keep Justin Fields, you do have that dream scenario of multiple tradebacks in the top Mm ten in the first round, and the amount of picks and assets that you can collect with that to add to this team is a pretty desirable thing. Now, you may not have the greatest quarterback play going forward, but you could certainly stack your team on both sides of the ball, both lines, and, and you could really fix a lot of the issues heading into next season if you take that approach. You could potentially build... You could definitely do that. A 49ers, Ravens, Eagles-like roster where if it's you desirable. have... It's good. If you have two first-round picks this year, if you have two first-round picks in 25, two first-round picks in 26... You recoup that second round pick that you got that you uh, traded for Montez Sweat. Like you can get difference makers that will make an impact on this team from day one, but you probably have to stick with Justin Fields unless you trade back to like three or five or something like that and take whatever quarterback is left. Like if Jaden Daniels is there and you take Jaden Daniels at five because it would probably go Caleb Drake May, you know Marvin Harrison Jr. and then if you've got someone there. Then that's something you could you could like I said yesterday have your cake and eat it too where 
You get your quarterback. It might not be the, the best quarterback, but he's a good quarterback in the league. He's a top-tier quarterback in the league. And then you still have the options where you get a first-round pick in 25. Well, I'd say this. You know, Think of it this way, right? If that's the route you go, think of the teams that you listed off. Yeah, they're some of the best teams in the NFL. Two of them have been the two best teams in the NFL for what? 13, 14 weeks of the season, mm-hmm. Baltimore and San Francisco. When we talk about great quarterbacks, we always mention Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Rodgers when he's not on McAfee and he's not hurt, right? Like when he's on the field, Aaron Rodgers is in that class of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You listed three teams that people compare our quarterback to. The comparisons are always to Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. or Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Both with those teams, Philadelphia and Baltimore. And we've looked at Brock Purdy and said, like, he looks pedestrian. Like, Brock Purdy, he's not making that go. He's he's running it well. Yeah. But the reason the 49ers are as good as they are is because of the roster that they have. Yeah. Like, I could, see, I could see a world and- where the Bears believe that they can build a roster like Baltimore, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Fields then just has to be comparable comparable to Hertz or Purdy or Lamar Jackson. I know Lamar Jackson is way above the other two, but you know Yurko is on the air every single day here on ESPN Chicago saying that that's the type of guy that Fields needs to be like. Yeah. I don't think it's that crazy. No, it's not because also if you're Ryan Poles, you could take the one guy. You could take C.J. Stroud. You should have taken C.J. Stroud. You could take Caleb Williams. You could take Drake May. You could take Jaden Daniels. But what if they don't work, right? And then you're in the same situation. Or you could stick with Justin, and you could get a haul for those picks and build up the rest of your roster. Get a left tackle. You can get an edge rusher. Get a wide receiver. Get a three technique. Spend your money. I got the list of top free free agents. Maybe go get Chris Jones with all the money you've got. Maybe go get Josh Allen, not the quarterback, the edge rusher. Like, go get, use the money and build this roster, and Fields can be better. Like, if he has a better complement of offensive linemen and weapons, he will, I, he will be better. Whether or not he can end up reading defenses and that kind of thing, he's got to progress. But because the roster, the roster was better this year, and he played better. So if you add to the roster even more, what ceiling does Justin Fields have? I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. I think we kind of know what he is, but I still think he can be better. I just don't necessarily know if it's going to be with this team. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Each night around 6.50, we like to play for you the song of the night. We're a little late, but here we go. Song Jesse. of the night time. I want to rock! Hey, don't play Jesse. Don't Jesse. touch that dial because it's time for... You know he's got no respect for song of the night. Dial that's true. He doesn't do it when he fills in. Strength the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, Larry. Tonight's song. We go to John Mayer. New light from 2021. It's a new jam. Well, considering here on Song of the Night. New light, John Mayer. Song of the Night. Black and Doll. I'm the boy in your other phone. Lighting up inside your drawer at home. All alone. Pushing 40 in the friend zone. We talk and then you walk away every day Oh, you don't think twice about me And maybe you're right to doubt me, but But if you give me just one night You're gonna see me in a new 
us why are we playing John Mayer? It has nothing to do with anything related, kind of, sort of, related to John Mayer. You're right. I'd say this. Uh, how about this? Everyone can relate to this date in history. Unless you're a weird green texter. Yeah, you know who you are, you Android folk. You weirdos. Uh, January 9th, 2007 was the date that Apple announced the very first iPhone. And on the stage, and who was a part of that uh, announcement, John not Mayer. only was it Steve Jobs, but John Mayer was there. Yeah, And that's the connection to the song, yeah. is that John Mayer was a part of the announcement of the iPhone from Apple on January 9th, 2007. Chris, the iPhone, I have this from Apple from January 9th, 2007. iPhone is a widescreen iPod with touch controls that lets music lovers touch their music by Ooh. easily scrolling through entire lists of songs, artists, albums, and playlists with just a flick of a finger. Album artwork is stunningly presented on iPhone's large and vibrant display. iPhone also features cover flow, Apple's amazing way to browse your music library Ooh, yeah. by album cover and artwork. Basically, this wasn't like build as a way for you to live your life. This no. was build as a music device. Here's a Walkman that you can talk on. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Like, here's a disc man that you could hold a bunch of, of songs on, but also you can you can answer the phone. Like, remember the commercials of the person? It was just yeah. the shadow with the color. Yeah. And they would just dance, and all of a sudden they'd pick up a phone call, and then they would just keep dancing when the phone call was over. Like, that's what this was. And, you know, back in 2007, I feel like everybody's life pretty much changed with this, with this thing we hold in our hands. It did, and it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still the number one technology device that has ruled the last two decades, essentially. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everybody wants the new phone. There's still lines for a new phone. Remember those ridiculous lines that used to happen? Oh, I mean, I, new I, iPhones. in a past life, I worked at Apple uh, back in 2007, so I, I was a part of this whole movement of uh, the announcements and the new releases and the <laughs> chaos and you know, you couldn't purchase more than one phone, the whole thing. Yeah, January 9th, 2007, Apple announced their first iPhone. John Mayer, it's your song of the night, New Light. Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Bleck and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, I would guess it's probably the piece of technology people have touched the most in their lives. An iPhone. You you constantly touch the phone. You pick it up. You you do the the phantom grab. You pick the phone yeah. up, thinking like, oh, did something happen? No, there's no. What no about a, a fork and a spoon? That's not technology. Sure, no, it is. No, of course, no, it is. No, no. Z-Pack's right. No, Z-Pack's right. That is technology. No. I can't watch porn on a fork or spoon. Okay. All right. This is Chicago's home for sports on FM 100.3 HD2, ESPN Chicago and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Yikes. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the ground at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.
football with you at 312-332-3776. Black and Dollar here on the ESPN Chicago app. Did you see the video of the guy stuck in the vase? Yeah, I did. What what was that? Well, some guy was at a a, a, a fancy party. He's wearing a little a little suit jacket, and he got a little drunk. And he said, "You know what? I'm going to get in this urn." I think it's they, technically they were saying it was an urn. What? Like not like a dead people urn. Like it was a big vase. They kept it calling like it an a, urn. Uh, like plant, like potter. potter yeah. And yeah. he got in, and he realized that his hips were too wide, and his knees were in a position that he couldn't get out. And like so, he couldn't create leverage to push off the no, bottom? No, he tried. People were trying to pull as he was pushing. So how did he go in? He went in with knees first. He so went his in, feet must have been underneath no, no, his no. butt? No, no, no. I think he went in feet first and then crouched down, but then couldn't get the... Uncrouched? Yeah, couldn't get uncrouched. And they had to bring a tiny hammer in and chisel it away so he could get out. Kevin Zipak, Jake Cantu producing tonight's show. Did you guys see this video online of the guy stuck in the vase? No, this is my first time seeing it right now. This is insane. <laughs> I tell you this. Why would he even do that? I'll tell you this. <laughs> Out of the two people I'd rather be this week, I'd rather be Vase Guy than Bass Pro Guy. The Bass Pro Guy. Well, the Bass Pro Guy just went for a swim. Yeah, but he, Bass, took, a t- he took a tumble, though. Bass Pro Guy didn't know uh, what was going to happen to him when he. Uh, Got out of the pool. Yeah, it's going to be a lean year for that guy on Bumble, I think. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys see Bass Pro Guy? Oh, I I see all. I see all the viral videos. I told you guys earlier about one, and that you didn't know about that I showed you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I I did see that. Yes, correct. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, uh, no. Yeah, I would not get in a vase and and try and pull a prank like that. It was an urn, actually confirmed. An urn, a decorative urn. What's the so that is he big? at a funeral? No, it's a decorative urn. You don't actually use it for ashes. So it's just, just, it's is for it decoration. Just there? What's the difference between that and a vase? God, or it's a pl- a, might uh, be an Alabama thing. I don't know. Pot. Like uh, a he was an plant fan. pot. Like what, what's the difference? One holds dudes, and then like a vase will hold flowers. I don't think it's supposed to hold. It's dudes. not supposed to hold. He dudes. found this it's out the hard way. Right now. <laughs> he's stuck. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. I don't think he's supposed How to be in there. How long was though? he stuck in that? Um, I mean, I, did they call, did they call the, uh, fire department? I don't think you they officially to. called. Why? You just get a hammer. Really? Yeah. Just get a hammer. He was yelling for them to call the fire department. <laughs> just get a hammer. Have you ever seen someone do something stupid like that? Here's what I would have done. I would have gotten like three dudes, pick him up and just drop him. Smash it. Yeah. Just drop it. See if it shatters. Yeah. All what's over? wrong with that? I'm how, sure that thing's expensive. How heavy they was it? They had to break it anyway. Well, he climbed into it. What do you, what do you expect? Not me. I'm not getting into anything. No. Mm-mm. I'm not getting into anything. I could fit in that. We oh, got to be shaking an urn. Yeah, Jake, no problem. You're jumping in out of the urns like you're Mario into the tubes. Get in this urn, Cantu. Yeah. Olympic sport with that. <laughs> Jake, we also have a question for your uh, your your people, your Gen Zers. Your generation. Um, oh, yeah, let's be careful there. Uh, Abdallah has a... Yeah, your your generation. Yo, Gen my generation. Y'all You're like all to, together. Y'all like to steal. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? Okay. Oh. So a couple weeks ago, we told you a story about how Gen Zers are taking stuff from the self-checkout. They'll check out for like a, a Diet Coke or a Celsius or whatever you kids are drinking these days, uh, and, or Prime Energy drink or whatever, and they'll take like whatever Fred. else, right? They'll take whatever else. They'll, they'll put a bunch of stuff in the bag and only pay for the one thing. Well, now... Gen Z is scamming companies out of billions of dollars each year 
with staggering rates of what is called friendly fraud. Friendly fraud. The research found that 42% of those aged 26 and younger admit to filing a fraudulent claim despite having received their purchase. So this is what you would do. Oh, yeah. You would buy something online. Yep. You say it never got to your house, but the people won't. So you call Chase or whoever your bank is, and you say, hey, I never got this, but they won't refund me. So Chase, they, they refund you, and they deal with it, but you actually have the item. You received it. You received it. You're happy with it. You're using it, whatever, but you file a fraudulent uh, fraud claim, essentially a fraudulent fraud claim, and it's called friendly fraud, where you get to keep whatever you have, but you get the money back in your account because of your bank. Jay Cantu, our uh, Gen Zer here on the staff, uh, how do you defend your your people? Defend your honor. Well, I think they found a loophole. I think this is genius, yeah. dude. You're making all of our stuff more expensive. You said the same thing with Whoa, the stealing the economy, from the, you know, from no, the kiosk. The economy. Gas prices no, are high, whatever. No, friendly fraud is not the economy. It's you being an ass. We're, we're sticking it up to the big guys up there. No, you're not. <laughs> Scam friendly the fraud. man. Scam the man. Look, I don't personally steal. I know I have ever stolen in my life. I can confirm that. But uh, good for these guys. Found the loophole. You're doing justice for those who uh, want to do justice. It's outrageous. How many? What, what's the percentage? Forty-two percent. Forty-two percent of those twenty-six and under. Fifty. That's crazy. That is, that is almost fifty. <laughs> it's almost fifty percent. I'm putting all of you into an urn. All oh, the whole Gen Zs. You're getting right into that small urn. Wow, that's crazy. Black Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Let's go to Daniel on the South Side. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Daniel? Hey, good afternoon, guys. First what's time call, a long time listener. Thanks so for calling. I'm getting rid of fields. And I'm firing both coaches. Here's why. Let's start with Fields. Okay. I love Justin Fields. But I needed for him to ball out last night in those three losses when they had to lead. I don't care if him and Luke Gessie don't get along. I needed for him to show us that he could lead in spite, despite of difficulty. I needed him to show up last night and say, I'm going head-to-head against this love guy. I'm going to go out tonight and put up 30 points. I know my offensive line is a little weak today. But I'm going to find the holes. And we're going to score. As far as Luke Getzey, I needed for him to show me in any game that he was going to coach up Justin Fields. When you see this kid continuing to get in sacked, you should say, you know what? Let me show you this play. Let me show you why you were sacked. Let me show you what you're going to do the next time. Because I'm going to call the exact same play. And you're going to do this. Or we're going to take you out of the game. Because at some point in time, you have to show us that you can make the plays. You're the number one quarterback. If you can't do it, we're going to find someone else. You have to coach up. And for as Matt Eberflus, I don't care if you did go five and three the last eight games. The first game of the year, your team wasn't ready to play. And you presided over three losses where you had to lead going into the fourth quarter because you allowed your offensive coordinator to go conservative and get away from what your quarterback does well, which is moving out of the pocket. There's no difference makers on this team. You can't keep saying, well, we got to learn how to finish. These are professional athletes. They should know how to finish. You're not playing high school football. All these kids have been playing Pop Warner, college high school football. So not knowing how to finish is not an excuse. But guess what? I'm also not drafting a quarterback for number one. Hmm. I'm trading that pick. Now I'm going to try to get another first-round pick for next year. I'm going to get a wide receiver. I'm going to get my left tackle. I'm going to get me a difference-making linebacker because they don't have a difference-making linebacker. How is it that you stay on the field the last five minutes of the game with three timeouts? 
that's embarrassing. I am crazy about you guys. Thanks for letting me call me. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate the phone call. Appreciate it. We'll go to CB in the car. CB, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, fellas, how you all doing? We're good. What do you think about yeah. the Bears? Hey, I'm a long-time listener, but I am just really, really so... You, you all, if not the top radio guys in sports in Chicago, be real close. <laughs> but I am so disappointed in you all to take the Terry Bradshaw, Mel Kuyper view of Justin Fields. It's always this 38 game. He had 38 starts. People just can't just remember. The Bears purposely tanked last year, 3-14. and 14. They purposely did it. They got rid of all the good defensive players, Roquan, Quinn, Khalil Mack. You had linebacker Nicholas Morrow that sucked last year. He sucked in Philadelphia. You had nobody to rush the pass. Yeah. There was a stint when the Bears scored basically almost 30 points a game. It's out of six or seven games. They only won one of those games, and I believe that was the New England game. So how was that Justin Fields' fault? The defense couldn't stop anybody. So if you score 30 points a game, apparently they're scoring 31. And Luke Getzey, a call and play, Luke Getzey couldn't call me a cab. He is terrible. He ran three straight bubble screens against Tampa Bay. The defensive player said, we knew it was coming. That's why they intercepted the ball and ran it in against Green Bay. Not one fly pattern. You got two guys out there that's kind of young, Scott and Bellis Jones, that run for a three. Just throw it out there. You might get a pass interference. They might catch it. You might get a touchdown. Didn't run one fly pattern. He ran the ball six times in a row. He played scared football in the fourth quarter. In the first quarter, his first 10, 15 strip plays, fine. After that, he just go completely conservative. Blaine gets it. Justin can take some blame, too, because he holds the ball a little bit too long. But if you can't get any separation and you're running bunk plays, this is what's going to happen. So, like, the Bradshaws, the Mel Kuypers, they're like, well, Justin Fields is just not a good quarterback. That's not true. He hasn't been surrounded with anybody that's good enough to help him. Okay, so take the first-round pick this year, trade down, get Marvin Harrison in the number nine spot, get Brock Bowers, then come back and talk to me and say, okay, Justin is no good when he has a lot of weapons around him. CB, how do you uh, explain Jordan Love then? Jordan Love had the opportunity to sit behind a Hall of Famer for three years, and I'm quite sure he had, didn't have headphones on, so he learned a lot. Justin was thrown in to the Wolves in the Cleveland game when he was back nine times. He yeah, but we're, we're past that game. Justin's played uh, two full seasons since that point. I mean, Jordan Love in his first season led the team to a record of 9-8. and eight. They make the playoffs. He's started 17 games, and his stats look like a developing, solid quarterback. They look really well, good. Justin Fields doesn't look anything like that. Jordan Love threw well, for 32 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Yeah, but Justin Fields had a bunch of young – he had a bunch of young wide receivers that actually were catching the ball and got separated. The Packers had the youngest because, wide receiver core in football. Yeah, I They're know. They're the youngest team in football. Yeah, they do, and the Bears are number three. But the difference is they have better wide receivers at that young age. Those guys catch the ball, and when they catch it, they're on the run. 
we can't get separation to get the ball to be on the run. Justin Fields had DJ Moore. DJ Moore was the only thing they basically had all year long. And what did he do? He almost had 1,400 yards. DJ Moore is better than any receiver that the Packers have. Yep. Oh, yeah. DJ Moore is better than any receiver. But as a combined, you just, if they double DJ, then what? You, you have nothing. You're running for your life. But they have Let DJ alone. Moore. The Packers huh? don't have that. The Packers don't have what? They don't have DJ Moore. No, they don't have DJ Moore. But they got to combine. You got Watson out there. You got Reed. That's a rookie that's out there. You got uh, Romeo Dobbs that's there. Those guys catch the ball, and they're on the move when they catch it. We have, they have an offensive coordinator that knows how to run a slant, knows how to run a bubble screen, knows how to run a fly pattern. I don't know what Getsy is thinking about. Nobody wants to blame him for something, for anything, apparently. But he's a terrible offensive coordinator. He looks good because he's a quarterback with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. And he, what did Justin say at the beginning of the year? What is the problem, coaches? He wasn't talking about evil fools. He's talking about Getty. Thank you, CB. Okay. Have a great night. There he All is, right. CB in the car. We appreciate him listening. I think Jordan Love has proven in one season that he's a quarterback that's developing. Justin Fields has not developed at that pace. I don't know if he's going to be great, but Jordan Love has proved that the Packers should invest in him for the foreseeable future. You can win with him. Absolutely. Give him a get it. How about this? Do something you didn't do for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Actually get him some better wide receivers, and I bet you he takes a completely bigger step next year. Black him, doll. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. I'd like you to meet someone who's really special. It's Black and Abdallah. A real inspiration. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. I love this, Abdallah. Full phone lines. We have like four minutes left in the show. Got rolled through a lot of calls. Thank you to Kevin Zipak and to Jake Cantu for producing tonight's show. Black and Doll will return tomorrow night. Six to eight right here on ESPN Chicago. Six to eight. You can also watch us on YouTube. Check us out and you can check out the YouTube page throughout the day right here on ESPN 1000. We'll be back tomorrow at six and also with Carmen and Yurko at noon right here on ESPN 1000. All right. We have to fly through these calls. We have like four minutes. We have a full bank of calls because people want to talk Bears football. Rapid fire. We got to get through this. All right, Chase? Chase on the south side. You've been on hold for a minute. Got to go fast. Go, Chase. Go ahead. Hey, what would you guys think of Drake May? And I'll hang up and listen. All right. Thanks, thanks, Chase. And uh, thanks for the phone call. We'll talk to you later. Uh, Drake May, what do you think? Uh, I think he's fine. I mean, we obviously didn't see him in any big games, but I think he can be a uh, a comparable quarterback. The comps I've seen uh, the, to him are not necessarily Josh Allen, but more of a Justin Herbert. Yeah, and they he has the tools, right? He has yeah. the size. He can make the throws. He's kind of athletic, so he can make all the plays in the pocket. He just, like Abdal said, has not won any big games. Got rapid fire. Eric on the south side. Uh, south Elgin. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, just to let you guys know, um, Jordan Love had Aaron Rodgers to follow for three years. He's got Matt LaFleur, an uh, offensive-minded coach. Um, what does Justin Fields have to follow? He followed no one. He has no offensive coach. He has no offensive coordinator. And last year was a tank year. 
All right, got you down, Eric. Appreciate the phone call. Joey G in Melrose Park. I go fast. Rapid fire. Go ahead, Joey G. I just want to say I love the Abdallah and Black Show. Thank you, Joey G. Have a good night. Thanks, man. Have a great night. Appreciate you listening. We go to Harry in Wisconsin listening on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Harry? Rapid fire. I just want to say that it seems like the majority of field supporters base their opinion out of emotion, almost like it's personal to them. It's, It's apart from anything having to do with facts, statistics. We measure reality with numbers and statistics. It's a way for us to understand and to field supporters. Put that aside. Don't even pay attention to it. Give it an excuse. Let's look at the guy in Houston. He's doing terrifically with about the same supporting cast. Yeah. I'm so tired of the field supporters. And you guess what? When the Bears draft another quarterback who is actually good, they're going to forget all about him. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Appreciate the phone call. To that point, I mean, Justin Fields is a very likable Absolutely he likeable is. And player. we all wanted him to succeed. He's but it just hasn't likeable. happened yet. Yeah, absolutely. Kelly and Robbins, you're on ESPN 1000. Rapid fire. Go, go fast, Kelly. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. Kelly back on hold. We go to Zach on the west side. Gotta go fast, Zach. Yo, give me Bill Belichick. I want to coach that's preparing for the Super Bowl and the playoffs, not uh, preparing for Sunday. I need a coach that's going to build a coaching staff, that's going to build an offensive staff for Justin or whatever quarterback and uh, players that's going to be there on the offense. I want a coach that's preparing for Super Bowls and the legacy, not for the playoffs. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for the phone call. And quickly, last call of the night. Got to go fast. Chris in Jefferson Park. Go ahead, Chris. Guys, the uh, Carolina Panthers uh, and the Chargers have asked to speak with the offensive coordinator from Baltimore, Todd Monken. Yeah. If Ryan Poles hasn't figured out already that Ryan Poles has to have Todd Monken on a list of coaches to hire, it's either develop Justin Fields or go in a different direction. But put the Bears on the right course where you need an offensive-minded guy to get it rolling. By the way, ESPN, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks, man. Have a great night. There you go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.